I long for uh, dudes to mature into men. They are created with dignity and incredible power to bring about good in the world. I have known some studly men in my life, men who sacrifice and men who create and men who nourish and men who care. And if you've ever seen it, it is an absolutely wonderful and beautiful thing. And I know too that there are loads of questions out there about what it means to actually be a man. Uh, Think about these stereotypes. They're, They're caricatures. But remember, even in caricatures, there's always what? There's always some sort of semblance of truth, okay? So for those of you who are TV watchers, you might know the show Modern Family. You know of a man named Phil Dunphy, okay? So there is the Phil Dunphy type, right? He is sort of the aloof and concerned with having, uh, more concerned with having his kids like him than he is with actually parenting them. I think of the hilarious scene, it is funny, I love that show, where he's looking at the camera and says, I'm the cool dad. That's my, that's my thing. Uh, he says, I'm hip. I surf the web. I text. LOL. Laugh out loud. OMG. Oh my God. WTF. Why the face? <laughs> the aloof man. Disconnected from reality. Why the face? And then there's the, the chauvinist sort of bravado guy that that you've probably seen probably somewhere on this campus actually. He's always looking down on people. He has an amazing way of treating women like crap and keeping them around. uh, He's cutthroat in his friendships and he'll sell you out in a moment to save his hide. Somehow, manhood in this model more mimics toddlerhood. But it's not just the culture as well. I want to be clear. It happens too, if you're a Christian, it actually happens in the Christian world or the church as well. You see, I could cite article after article for you that kind of talks about how there are men dying in the church, so to speak, because uh, what is expected of them is to be passive and weak. Not necessarily physically weak, but weak of spine. And if you throw into the mix the lack of good models, that is, of what it means to really be men, the confusion grows more. Joe Kitta, Joe Kitta the author and former writer of Men's Health magazine, uh, spoke these words as a middle-aged man as his, after his father had passed away. Take a look up at the screen. He says this, I'm still waiting for my dad to talk to me about sex and success and money and marriage. I'm still waiting for him to talk to me about religion and raising kids. You see, all of this points, I think, to a very real problem, a concern that there is great confusion surrounding what manhood is. What is it? What is it supposed to be? How in the world are, are, are boys to become men, so to speak? And that is one of the reasons, y'all, that I absolutely love the Bible, because it gives answers to these types and this sort of questions. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. So fellas, guess what? You're on the hook tonight. Ladies, you're next week, Lord willing, okay? So uh, please come back, but please listen in. I'll tell you why in just a moment. A few caveats as we begin. There is absolutely no way that I'm going to be able to be exhaustive tonight. Does that make sense? I can't say everything that can be said about this topic tonight. So please extend me a lot of grace if I don't cover everything. But I also want you to know this as a caveat. Caveat number two. When the Bible speaks about being human, 
there is far more area of overlap between the genders than there is distinctions. And when the Bible does speak about differences between being male and female, it doesn't actually say that much at all. I don't know if you know that. That's actually really, really true. It does speak to it, yes. But usually, usually what happens, there's this traditional approach that far overreaches what the Scriptures say. And so I want to name that tonight and try to do my best to not do that. So in some ways, much of what I have to say tonight, therefore, can actually be said of women as well. Does that make sense? Some of what I'm going to say tonight actually overlaps as well. I do think that men tend to have a certain set of questions that they ask more than than women perhaps do. And so that's where I'm kind of going tonight. That's what I want to kind of keep in mind. Are there exceptions? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm hoping to address this series of deep-seated questions that I think come up a lot in the lives uh, of men. So why do ladies need to listen then? Well, I think for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's important for you to gain insight about what goes on in here. Does that make sense? I mean, don't you all just want to know that anyways? Like, what in the world are these guys made of? What makes them tick? Well, hopefully tonight you'll get a glimpse into that. And I also want you to know that um, this is very important. Ladies, guys will respond to your expectation of them. I want you to know that. They really will. Uh, it makes uh, one pastor, Matt Chandler, you may have heard of him, he, he says this, I think it's hilarious, but I think it's dead truth. Listen to what he says. You put the bar on prepubescent ridiculousness, and I promise you, you'll find a herd of morons that will come trampling to your door. It's really true. I think it's really, really true. So, ladies, I think it's important that you understand a little bit about what the Bible actually says about what it means to be uh, a man. And yes, here's a huge caveat as well. I know I'm having to qualify a lot, but it's so important tonight. I want you to also understand, though, that no man is ever going to be perfect enough for you. Okay? You see, I love saying this. Some of y'all wouldn't date Jesus if He came back. You see what I'm saying? Because you've got this too high of an expectation about a dude. Alright? So, You've got to account for the, for the doctrine of sin and brokenness in the world and know how to navigate and how to steward a man's brokenness in some way or another. That's part of your responsibility just as much as it is for guys to do that with women. So, a couple of more. I am not talking tonight about roles. I'm not going to do that. There's a lot that can be said about there out there out there on this topic, but I think that I've got some more important, more poignant things to say tonight. We can talk about those things if you want on, offline on coffee or something, but I'm not going to get into it. And then lastly, any time that you do a series on gender, it's like pulling the pin on, the grade, on a grenade, throwing it down on the ground, and then laying your body on top of it. Okay, That's what it feels like up here doing this. Why do I say that to you? Because uh, I want you to know that um, it is deeply challenging because there has been so much abuse in some ways about what has been said maybe in the past. But I want you to see this. I want you to really understand that I do believe that God has actually made male and female differently. But though they are different, though they are different, I want you to understand that the Bible is clear that both genders are needed to represent the image of God most fully. In other words, 
while there are differences in being and differences in function, the Bible nowhere lays out that there is a difference in value or worth. Does that make sense? That there is no difference in value or worth. So I want to fully affirm the dignity and value of both men and women tonight and deny, I, I emphatically deny, that one gender has more intrinsic value than the other. That's just not what the Bible says. So that's where we start tonight. This text in Genesis 1 shows us several things about what it means to be men. It answers some of the key questions, I think, that men are asking. And so we're going to look at them underneath these three headings. One, that real strength comes through dependence. That real purpose comes through surrender. And lastly, this sort of third paradox, that competence comes through sacrifice. I think these are key phrases. I'm going to say them again. That strength, a question that men ask about themselves all the time, really does come paradoxically through dependence. That secondly, this idea of purpose or vision of life, that it comes through real surrender. And that lastly, this idea of competence comes through sacrifice. I know that might sound vague, but let's jump right in. This idea of strength coming through dependence. What do I mean when I say that? We'll take a look at verse 26 there. You see, right at the beginning of the Bible, God comes out and does something amazing and magnificent. Amazing and magnificent. What does He say? It says that God said, let us make man in the image after our likeness. And I want you to begin to see that every man has this deep question in him. It's a question of identity saying, who am I? Who am I? Every man in this room is asking this question. And right here in the Bible, it starts out of the gate, and the Bible tells us, this is who you are, men. You are an image bearer of the Most High God. That is who you are fundamentally at your core. Do men matter? Absolutely. This is what he's getting at. That they are the crowning work of creation. That they are not only part of the creation, but they are actually image bearers reflecting God Himself. So in sum, our sense of value, our sense of worth is stated right here. And that it was oriented or located as it were in our creatureliness made before God. In other words, we have value because of whose we are. Now that stands in direct contrast to what the world says about what it means to be a man. And I'm going to say this, that the world will tell you, men, you are men by what you conquer and what you achieve. And some of y'all know that deeply. Some of y'all know that you're like, yeah, that's all I've ever known about what it means to be a man. That that's what true manhood is all about. It's out there about accomplishing things. But the Bible doesn't start that way. Some of us think about the Batman mentality. How many of y'all have ever seen Batman Begins? There's that scene, right, where Bruce Wayne is talking to, I can't remember what's her name's name or character, Katie Holmes' character. But she is standing there and he's like, wait, she's like, She's like, wait, wait, who are you? Who are you? And then Christian Bale says in that real gruff voice, he says this, listen, it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying this, it's not who I am at my core that really makes me who I am. That what makes me who I am is what I'm out doing. 
And I want to say the Bible emphatically denies that that's where the locus of real manhood lies. It doesn't. And what does this tell us? Well, I think it makes us see very, very quickly that from the beginning, that men were made as image bearers of God, created in His image, and that therefore, listen, that they were made to be dependent upon Him. And that real strength comes not in autonomy and being a machismo, bravado-filled male, but being a man who is deeply rested, deeply dependent upon the love of His heavenly Father. Why is that so important? Well, here it is. Ready? Secret. Ready? Ladies, secret. Ready? Every dude in this room is radically insecure. And most of us will say, no, I'm not. And I'm just going to tell you, that's the proof in the pudding. In other words, they're so insecure, they can't even say, yes, I'm really insecure. Because why? Because when sin entered the world, they began to have their heart reoriented to begin to think, that my identity, my worth, and my value comes from what I'm doing and no longer rooted in the profound love that God has for me. And fellas, here's what I want you to understand. If you can't begin to do business with that, you're going to make mincemeat of your life. You're going to ruin relationships. You're going to make your job your God. You're going to walk all over women because you're going to think that they owe you something. And I'm here to tell you that the Bible frees you if you will just understand that your first, the first locus for your strength is that you're an image bearer of the Most High God. Do you see that tonight? Do you derive your sense of manliness from that? Listen, I could go on and on. I've got to keep moving. I'm going to have to trim out a lot of my notes, but I could say a lot more. I just want you to begin to see that real manliness always begins by seeing how loved you are by your Heavenly Father. That is real manliness. And ladies, listen to me. When you're looking for a guy, or some guy comes courting you, I want you to look and ask this question. Is this man deeply aware of the profound love that God has for him? That is a fair question to ask. Because if he is not... I will submit to you that there is a a set of problems that are coming soon after him. You can deny it all you want, but it, it must happen that way. It's an absolute, I would argue. And I'm saying, fellas, begin to see, maybe for the first time, that Jesus has come so that you might see the great love that God the Father has for you. We've got to keep moving on. I want you to also begin to see, therefore, that this question of purpose, this idea of what am I supposed to be doing with my life, that it really comes through surrender. Sorry, I need to put these up on the, on the wall, on the screen here for you. Deep down, men long to be about something. They long to be doing something. And verse 28 right here tells us what God has made us for. Ultimately, the Scriptures talk about here is what man has been made for. This applies to both men and women. That you were made, that you were created to glorify God and to enjoy and delight in Him forever. 
But a, a part of your task is found right here in verse 28. Did you see it right there when we read it? It says, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over it. What was that amazing purpose, that amazing calling that God is giving us here in verse 28? It was this. God makes the world, He puts man in it, and He says, he says, go develop it. Go bless it. Go cause it to flourish. That's what he was tasked with doing. He was tasked with taking the raw materials of creation and filling the world with absolute and utter beauty. And it is absolutely crucial that you understand that that is what your purpose is. Because why? That purpose, y'all, is not something that you create That is a purpose that is given and imposed upon you as men. And if you bucket, if you kick, if you try to create your own purpose in life, you as men will live, I dare say it, as sub-men. You will live as less than men. Because you are not living as the way that God has intended for men to live. Think about it like this. Have you ever tried to brush your teeth with a hammer? Have you ever tried to drive a nail with a toothbrush? It doesn't work, right? Because those instruments, those tools were created with a specific purpose. The hammer to drive nails, the toothbrush to clean your pearly whites. Here's the thing, if you try to use those tools for the opposite purposes, you're only going to wreak havoc on your life. And I want to begin to say to you, why do you think it's any different when you think about what your purpose is? You see, the Proverbs writer nails it when he says this, listen, there is a way that seems right to a man, but 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 its end is the way to death. Listen, y'all. Fellas, hear me out on this. What is, what is driving you? What is your life about? I want to suggest to you, if it's anything less than this, you're, you're setting yourself up for a lot of doom and failure. But if you will begin to see that the calling that God has invited you into as men is far more robust beautiful and magnificent than your small little kingdom building, you will be blown away at the deep and profound sense of purpose that you can have in life. I have known it. I have seen it. I watch men all the time. Who know they're not in ministry, okay? This isn't, this isn't therefore you need to go be a missionary or that you've got to go be a pastor now. That's not what I'm saying. No, Go be a businessman. Go be an artist. Go be an engineer. But do it underneath this rubric. This idea of making the world beautiful and enjoying God in the process. I watch men left and right who have a profound sense of purpose in their world and life because they live like this. And sadly, I watch men struggle all the way up until their dying breath because they're trying to make something out of their life by chasing the almighty buck. By trying to find another wife for the seventh time. Thinking that if I can just, if I can just do that, I'll finally be somebody. The Scriptures are going to blow that out of the water and say you'll always be miserable. 
It will always be a counterfeit vision or purpose for your life. Ladies, you need to know this. Here's why. Because one of these days, Lord willing, if God gives you a husband, and let's say even if He doesn't, you've got brothers, you've got friends, you've got, you've got parents, you've got a dad, I want you to know that every man in this room, and Wade can back me up on this because he's the only other married man in this room. And Sam, you're getting close. When you have your woman breathing wind in your sails like this, you move out into the world with utter confidence. When the prime woman in your life is saying, I believe in you, I'm proud of you, and I want you to go with reckless abandon into what God is calling you to be and do, I mean, I get chills talking about it because it's what we were made for and it's what actually what you were made to do as well. We'll look at that next week. But you do the opposite. You jab the knife in and twist it. And you shame and you break down and you tear apart what, this, what man is called to do. You have the utter power to crush a man. I want you to know that. We desperately long to know that what we're after as men is something good, true, and beautiful that the Scriptures have laid out that is deep within our being and in our bones. And even if a guy can't articulate it, I'm telling you it's there. It really is there. Well, what else is there? You can see where I'm going. I've answered this question about identity, this question about who I am. And I move now to this question, really, of what, am I, what is my life to be about? Both of those questions are questions that every single man is asking. And then now we move to this third question, and that is, how am I going to do it? Do I have what it takes? And so that turns our eyes now to this idea of competence. And I believe the Bible helps us even more as we look at this, this idea of competence through sacrifice. And so you can see it there on the screen. Let's take a look. The last point I want to deal with really addresses this crucial question that every single male asks. Do I have what it takes? Will I be able to do the task at hand? Will I succeed or will I fail? Every young boy that picks up a baseball bat or picks up a ball, picks up some sort of sport, needs his coach or his parents to look him in the eye and to speak life into him and say what? You can do this. You got this. And you want to find ways to crush a young boy? Look him in the face and shame him to death and say, what are you doing? That will utterly crush him. Some of y'all have known that. Some of y'all have known that in life. Every man is asking, do I have what it takes to complete the task that God is calling me to do? And I want you to begin to see that our world thinks about competence as being successful in achieving these massive, massive tasks. But I believe that Genesis 1 implies something radically different. You see, here's why. If the purpose that men are called to make and called to, that we just talked about, competence now is seen as living and breathing that out. It is not about... Competence from the biblical perspective is not about success in what you're able to do, so to speak, about achievement. 
But competency, being able to do what it takes, is in line with that earlier purpose that we just spoke about. Are you able to use, here it is, are you able to use the God-given strength and power to deploy that, to invest it in the lives of those around you, unto the end, they flourish as well. That's where real competency is found. Let me illustrate something for you. Hang on tight because this is a killer illustration. Two friends of mine, when they were in college, they dated. Um, they are both now married to other people. They both have children. They are happy, happily married elsewhere. But I was, uh, I'm going to use the real names if they listen to this. Hey, I love y'all. I hope you're doing well. It's been years since we've talked. Good, good, I hope y'all are well. Um, Dave and Wendy, that were their names. We were all good friends. I was sitting with uh, Wendy one time in our uh, biochem class, and she said, Ryan, you're never going to believe what happened over the weekend. I said, what? She says, Dave showed up to pick me up for a date. And I said, yeah. I said, well, and by the way, these, both these people were, were Christians. Um, and I said, really? Well, how'd it go? And she said, oh, it was great. She said, I came to the door, Dave not, and uh, he, he came to pick me up. And immediately he looked at me and he went, whoa, you look amazing tonight. But if you want me to honor you tonight and not lust after you all night long, will you consider going back inside and changing? Now listen, some of y'all immediately go, what? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Somebody would have the gall and the guts to say that? But she said, I said, well, oh my gosh, well, how did you respond to that? And she said, at first, after I picked my jaw up off the floor, (laughs) and as I was going back to my bedroom to change, I felt incredibly honored, incredibly protected, incredibly, in some way, it, it drove me not to wanting it, 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 that sort of protection, that sort of looking for my good, that sort of defending me, drove me actually wanting more intimacy, not less. She said, I so appreciated the way that he was using his manliness, so to speak, to protect and to defend me. That is what the Bible talks about when it talks, when I use this illustration. Of do you about having what it takes? And the Bible says you absolutely do. Because the strength that we talked about earlier comes from your identity in Jesus. You have this sort of power at your disposal. The question is, will you use it? The question see, here's, here's what's really interesting about the Bible. The Bible isn't the Christian life, I should say, is not so much about finding out what we ought to do. The challenge of the Christian life is actually finding the courage to be able to actually do it. And so I just want to urge you, brothers, listen. Listen to me. Live like that illustration. You have have incredible power to shape the lives of the world around you, especially those women that you will come in, in touch with, to defend them, to protect them, to use your power for their good. And that, listen is a profoundly manly thing to do. It is profoundly manly. 
And I would submit to you that every female in the world would long for you to longs for some guy that would do that for them. I guarantee you. I, I just, I just, I just feel like I know enough about people. I've seen it enough to see it to know that it's true. I urge you to con- begin to consider that uh, tonight. Well, listen. I don't know about you, but um, whenever I hear this sort of stuff, I immediately go, "Okay, that's great, dude. You've just laid out some things that I'm never, ever, ever going to be able to do. So thanks." <laughs> and I actually want to say you're you're at the exact right spot if that's you tonight. Because there's no way you're going to be able to do this on your own. You're going to have to look to the real man. You're going to have to look to the real man, Jesus, to be able to do this. Listen, do you know that He Himself was the one that listened to His Father's voice? That knew the real strength from coming, uh, from being dependent upon His Father? Do you know as well that He is the one too that was able to listen to um, His Father's voice as He spoke, as it were, about real, uh, a real purpose in life? Remember that Jesus Himself said, it's not My will, uh, O Lord, but Yours that would be done. You see, He was the one that remained true to that ultimate vision. He was the one who did it. And lastly, He was the one, of course, who was utterly competent through sacrifice, who gave His life away that we might know the real love of the Father for us. Listen, I'll leave you with a quote, and I think that this is something that all of us um, need to see and know. It comes from a guy named Larry Crabb. He writes this. He says, Men who learn to be fascinated more with Christ than with themselves, will become the authentic men of our day. Men of this generation must learn to count the cost. I've left out a little bit. Um, Learn to count the cost of following following Christ. And then I come back to my quote. Um, Let's see, where is it? Yeah, we must feel the emptiness. We must feel the emptiness of our own souls until no cost seems too high if it brings us into contact with Him. We must resist the influence of a Christian culture that values self-discovery and self-fulfillment above abandoning ourselves to God. Listen, men, the world, TCU, and everything around it is screaming that that's what real manhood is. To discover yourself. And it's not. It's not. What we've been talking about tonight is, and listen, he ends here, sorry. He ends here. To put it, Simply, we must be more concerned with knowing Christ than with finding ourselves. I'll close here. I want you to see that in the Gospel tonight, brothers, you have all the resources that you need. You have all the resources that you need to go out and to live the way that God has made you and is calling you to live. Would you believe that tonight? Let's pray.